news, talk, sports. Now, back to the experts on AM980. With Brian Uttall, thanks for being a part of our show. Our second show today is presented by Peak Mobility Rehabilitation and Pain Center in London. In fact, they're at 395 Southdale at uh, Jolna. The show often talks about preserving motor function because that's so vital and so few of us are moving the way we should be. But you know what? There's no better time than right now to get moving, to get moving in the right way. And also getting it right in terms of diet, sedentary lifestyle, increasing dependence on meds to cure our ills. Let's put thousands of years of evolution out of balance, say our guests. Well, let's put it back in balance. Let's get that healthy lifestyle kicked in. Let's buckle up and get going on it. Today, you're going to hear some very helpful advice on the importance of sleep. I think you're in in store for a very fascinating hour on how we'll talk about why a good night's rest is so key to good health. Sleep is a normal, indeed essential part of our lives, but when you think about it, it's such an odd thing to do. At the end of each day, we become unconscious and paralyzed and we get into sleep mode. But maybe we don't do it enough, maybe we don't do it uh, with regularity, and what are the ramifications of that? That and more all coming up in this hour with Doug Pooley and Chris Dribe. Welcome back to AM980's Experts. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to stay awake for the hour. We're and, <laughs> and we're going to talk about sleep. And one statistic that I discovered over the week that is, wow, fascinating, compelling. According to the National Sleep Foundation, approximately, Doug, 60% of people suffer from difficulty sleeping at least two nights a week. That's the truth. It's rampant. It's one of those diseases that are associated with modern society. The, uh, the changes in sleep patterns over the f- past 50 years are absolutely dramatic. And they really don't know why. I mean, they surmise that stress, lifestyle, uh, changes in work environments, work habits, the use of iPads, for example, and computers, all these different things have an impact in one form or another on our ability to sleep and our ability to stay asleep. And in one form or another has an impact on why they have come to see you for a variety of other reasons too. Right, yeah, we'll see lots of injuries uh, or people recovering from major accidents, injuries, and sometimes that is a, a topic we have to breach with them because it's the thing that's delaying their recovery Mm -hmm. is they just have not had proper sleep. And a primary reason for us not getting enough rest or sleeping well or getting into that REM sleep is stress. Stress is a parasite. Stress is massive in our society and the ability to deal with it, of course, is lessening because there's so many more complexities associated with stress today than there was 10, 15, 25 years ago, the world's a whole different environment. I mean, everything is immediate now. Mm -hmm. With cell phones and computers and communications being what they are, there's no lag time anymore. So there's Mm -hmm. no time for people to literally digest. So it becomes immediate. It becomes reflex. And, And scientists and psychologists are starting to find that there's a huge price to pay. And this intellectually. And because we're tethered to this technology, there's less and less me time. Right. And and you can think of, uh, we're all guilty of it. You know, we can bring our technology anywhere we go. If you wanted to get the late night news, you had to sit downstairs in the living room before. At one time, you actually had to get out of the chair. (laughs) To turn the channel, (laughs) turn it on. That's true. Yeah. Whereas now, uh, you know, everything's at our fingertips. So, you know, how many times we guilty of, uh, I know I am late night emails uh, as I'm trying to get to bed or or I am restless 
And then it's like, oh, uh, I'm not falling asleep now. So what I'm going to do is look at some emails. Some have also said, and you validate it for me, please, that when it comes to sleep deprivation, there's a correlation with cardiovascular disease. Well, all sorts of diseases. But it's interesting because, Chris, in our research, you'll like this. We were doing some research with regards to sleep deprivation and some of the conditions that are uh, uh, ascribed to what happens if you don't get enough sleep, such as cardiovascular disease, some cancers, for example, colon and breast, um, different, of course, depression, anxiety, and diabetes, obesity. But the other side of the equation is when we were looking at what happens if you have too much sleep, funny enough, the same things show up. Really? Yeah, so we were talking about there's a sweet spot for sleep. Uh, and it's age dependent. You know, there's a sleep society out of the U.S. that's been around since the 90s. And they've looked at uh, just in early 2015. So a year ago, they came out with guidelines, new guidelines based on age. And so, you know, the 18 or sorry, the 25 to 65 group were kind of looking at that seven to nine hours. So seven and a half, eight hours. Some people can get away with six. Some people may need 10 or 11. We're always careful when it comes to health care, aren't we, on AM 980, in terms of everybody is yeah. just a little bit different. And so we can't kind of candy coat this or right. paint it with us. And it's also brush. dependent on how busy you were that day, what you did physically, mentally, all those things. Mm-hmm. So, But there is that sweet spot. And, and if you don't have enough or if you have too much, uh, they're both detrimental. I often wonder, though, if you're 17, 18, uh, adolescence, and you're really growing. I mean, your body's really working hard um, that sometimes we don't see the kids till 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. I've got a 13-year-old, and it was tough to wake her up this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you do have those kids. They're building bone and muscle and tissue at such a rapid rate compared to what we are. But they can, to your point earlier, could sleep too long in a day. They could, yes, yeah. So it, you know, there is the, yeah, they're teenagers, let them sleep. Um, But there's also a point where you should be, as a parent, monitoring their sleep patterns. But on average, we're talking six and a half to eight should be substantial enough. Well, this is interesting because they, this number keeps coming up. But there's not a whole lot of science behind mm-hmm. it to say why that's the case. In fact, we were discussing before, I mean, if you go back to primitive man, primitive man rarely slept more than about three hours, simply because if he went beyond that, he was usually dead. Yeah. You know, and eaten. even, yeah, eaten, exactly. <laughs> so, and as you move up into While the While sleeping, centuries, standing up. <laughs> yeah, while sleeping, standing up, exactly. So, and even if you look at some of the greatest minds through history, for example, we talked about Winston Churchill who was notorious from the fact that he would stay up until late, late, late at night, get up and go to the war room at 5 o'clock in the morning, but he would have catnaps during the course of the day in one of the most stressful periods in time. Einstein was notorious for doing that. Uh, Tesla, who was another great inventive mind, Leonardo da Vinci, all these guys, there's indications that these guys slept not quite that same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Now, not that that's saying that it, recommend this for the average right. guy, but we really Historic. don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we really don't know. I mean, to that very point, we often say if you're just feeling tired or lagged and you're behind the wheel of a car, we've heard that you should pull over yep. and have a quick nap. Yeah, oh yeah. It's posted all along the 401. <laughs> reminding yep. listeners. Reminding us to pull over, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, drowsiness kills. So, uh, yeah, but again, even when it comes to napping... Uh, you have to watch the amount that you nap. Because uh, when you look at your REM cycles and your non-REM cycle, uh, you don't want to be stuck in REM cycle while you're having a nap or else 
you're going to wake up from that nap after two or three hours, and then it's going to be 2 or 3 a.m. before you go back to sleep. Mm. Consistent with some of the information I have and what you've kindly brought me is that we need to maintain a regular sleep schedule. That's really, really important. In fact, they've done some interesting research, and they found that 50% of shift workers have disturbed sleep patterns. I remember doing the overnight show back in the day, and then on the weekends, I would be, you know. Flipping, yeah. And I, forgetful, I would leave keys at the bank. It wasn't pretty. No. <laughs> yeah, because your body is just accustomed to the Monday to Friday. For me, it was the overnight hours. So I would get home and start my breakfast with Good Morning America. Yeah. Like it was, you know, everything was backwards for me. And I, I do recall those years. As much as I enjoyed being on the air at the time, it really does throw your body for a loop. Yeah, when you're, when you're again, our... our injured patients that come in off of work uh, shifts that are on a a flipped cycle every two weeks. Uh, Again, that's something we speak to them about because it is difficult. Uh, The rest of their family is on a totally different cycle. Look at those amazing nurses here in this healthcare mecca that is London, Ontario, and they're switching it up two, three times over the course of a month. Yes, and and it is difficult, uh, not just physiologically uh, as far as digestion and everything else goes, but just even that that sleep pattern side of things. Quit smoking was suggested. Just stop smoking. But we don't even need to talk about sleep for you to endorse that idea. <laughs> about stopping smoking? Yeah, that smoking and sleep oh. are connected, lack of or... Oh, right. absolutely, yeah. they are. I mean, that's combining two real bad physiological situations. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sleeping and you're a smoker, you're probably doubling the likelihood if you're going to have a catastrophic incident yeah. of some sort in the near future. You're restless and you wake up and say, oh, I got to go have a smoke. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's not a good situation. And where we can connect sleep or lack thereof to your wonderful ongoing theme of getting people in motion is that a better night's sleep can be certainly brought on by exercise, 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 and even more exercise. Well, just movement generally. I mean, we live in such a sedentary society, and as we've talked so many times, the body is meant to move. And some of the most compelling research on sleep is done in in, in relation to the, to the effect of exercise on sleep patterns. Mm-hmm. And it is considered one of the best, if not the best remedy for anybody who has any sort of, of sleep impairment is regular exercise, regular, consistent exercise. Now, having said that, and Chris will attest, is when you exercise is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were speaking about that earlier. You know, I play late night hockey. Lots of people uh, into the gym after work or after the kids go to bed, Mm -hmm. uh, the quieter evening hours. And and you can, you'll be up for two or three hours after that activity. Because you're coming down. Right, you've ramped up your metabolism, your heart rate, everything's been going at uh, top speed while you've been exercising. And now... It takes your while, uh, your body a while to actually slow back down to say, okay, now I'm tired. Mm-hmm. There are many who have chronic sleep problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, I mean, there's indications that 70 million North Americans have some sort of sleep problem. Mm-hmm. Estimated 3.3 million Canadians, 15 or older, or about one in every seven of us have problems going to sleep mm-hmm. or staying asleep. Right. And so it's, it's interesting, uh, I've alluded before, I, I treat the Amish population and uh, they're, they're the people that get up at 4 to 5 a.m. Uh, every day, and, but they also go to sleep at a very regimented time. Uh, 
and they work real hard all day long and everything's manual, but they don't have the distractions that we have. It can be a tough sell for people when the recommendation is get up at the same time and go to bed mm. seven days a week. The body is a creature of habit. Whether intellectually we want to make it something else, the fact remains, as you said, Brian, quite rightly so, that the necessity of going to sleep relatively the same time and getting up relatively the same time is really important to the rest value that you're going to get from the sleep. Help us to understand as best you can on what REM sleep is versus just kind of being in the motion. Yeah, so you have, basically you break sleep down into two, you have non-REM and REM. And so your non-REM is what you typically experience when you have your cat naps, uh, you know, if you sleep for 30 minutes to an hour. So there's three different stages of non-REM where you kind of move through every 10, 15 minutes and each level is deeper. Uh, you, you can get restorative sleep in the non-REM, but when you're in REM, uh, the rapid eye movement, that's when you're dreaming. Uh, and that's, that's when, you know, you, your body is shut down enough that it's, everything else is focused on your sleep and everything good that happens when you're in deep sleep. All your uh, healing functions, you know, all your organs, the tissues being regenerated at its maximum. So I was uh, explaining to Doug earlier too, like when my kids are restless and they can't sleep, I say to them, listen, your body has all these cells in the daytime that let you run and jump and, and laugh. And then at nighttime though, there's a whole different group of cells that need to work. And if you're not sleeping, those won't work. And that means you're going to stay little. <laughs> and they look at me like, whoa, I don't, I want to, I want to go. Okay. I'll start big. right now, yeah. dad. I'll start right, right? now. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it's that simple analogy of we have two shifts going on in our bodies. We have our daytime shift and we have our nighttime shift. And we often rob the nighttime shift. You alluded to something earlier that I want to hear more about. When we are lacking sleep, did you say that we could be potentially more prone to injury? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's been lots of study on sleep deprivation and uh, not just uh, physical injury uh, from, like, say, twisting an ankle in sports, but just the human factors, uh, people driving, uh, car accidents, all those things. Uh, so you look at injury on the broad spectrum and sleep deprivation just, it makes us leave our keys at the bank. Uh, you know, it makes us forget to stop at that stop sign. Uh, it, it doesn't give us the same reaction time when we're going to cut around that other player on the football field and we twist our knee or blow it. And when you've done an analysis of someone who's come to see you for chiropractic care, Doug, sleep sometimes factors or more often than not factors into the equation of the reason oh, for them seeing the, you. One of the first questions that we ask is how, how, how are your sleep patterns? And more, almost just as importantly, how do you sleep? Mm-hmm. In other words, what's your sleeping posture? Do you sleep on your back? Do you sleep on your side? Do you sleep on your stomach? Mm -hmm. In fact, a company, we won't mention their name, but they requisitioned your service to talk about sleep. And and then they were able to factor that in there to their pillows and mattresses and fascinating information. Years ago, I mean, when they still made mattresses like they used to make mattresses with, uh, yeah, foam coal. And it, it is interesting because the... Most of the world, thank goodness, sleeps on the side or your back. And really, the best place to sleep, from my perspective, is on your back. There's no pressure points. So it's much easier on you. And it does the right things physiologically to help the spine to rest and to go back to its normal posture. It's at night when the discs, which are the little shock absorbers between the vertebrae, actually rehydrate through a process called succussion. Mm-hmm. And if you sleep on your side, that process still happens, not as effectively, but if you sleep in your stomach, exactly the opposite occurs. So what happens is it can contribute to disc breakdown and marbleization of the disc, so, as well as all sorts of other. Because, for example, 
just if your listeners could just envision if you're sleeping on your stomach, you can't sleep face down. You'd suffocate. So you turn your head to the side and could you imagine and look up? So could you imagine if you walked around for eight hours a day like that? I mean, it just can do all sorts of horrible damage. In fact, it was a study done at the University of California a few years ago, proved conclusively stomach sleeping is a major cause of degenerative joint disease. Mm-hmm. Doug, you mentioned discs. There's a disc evaluation day coming up at uh, at uh, Peak Mobility on January 30th, and our listeners would be wise to take advantage of that. Well, it, it, you know, it's one of the most poorly diagnosed conditions from a musculoskeletal standpoint. And there's so much that's been dedicated to disc. And there's so many other factors that can be contributing to what's considered to be a disc injury, and many of which can be resolved quite readily by virtue of chiropractic, good physiotherapy, um, lifestyle modification and change. But there's so few people that take the time nowadays Mm -hmm. to actually get to the depth to determine what the causative thing is. It's easy to give a diagnosis. But the whole thing is the diagnosis has no depth unless you can put some legs to it, you know? So at peak mobility, you're saying if it takes an awareness day, it takes an awareness day. Oh, my goodness. Of course it does. Yes. I I would say the biggest thing with the general population is most people seek service when they're they're down and out. Their disc is so bad. Their knee is so bad that now they have to come limping into our office. And you're feeling bad for them because if they had acted a little bit sooner, they right. might not either A, be feeling the pain, or B, at that point that they're at now. Absolutely. And and like Doug was saying, the further we dig in our questions and our assessments, we can sometimes solve their problem with the very simplest of, of treatment techniques or or uh, suggestions. And and the patient sometimes says, really, that's all I need? And it's like, yeah, like this this is a major contributor to your problem. And then what ails them is over. You hope for the best. And then it's you suggest things that they can now do moving forward. Absolutely. And and so again, you get in front of the right practitioners. Those are the people that make changes sometimes without physically laying on a lot of hands. Uh, you know, they can come to a conclusion pretty quickly before they even have to do their physical assessment. And, and the patients, you know, they, they realize that and they, they have a great appreciation for that. We have an even greater appreciation for the importance of sleep now, thanks to our special guests today, Doug Pooley and Chris Dribe from Peak Mobility Rehabilitation and Pain Center. They're in London at 395 Southdale Road at Jolna. I'll give you the number, 519-850-7321. And remember, they not only offer disc therapy, but they have Disc Evaluation Day coming up January the 30th. So that's two Saturdays from today, from 1230 till two at their state-of-the-art center much more ahead on am 980s experts news talk sports now back to the experts on am 980 with brian at this hour's show is presented by peak mobility rehabilitation and pain center at southdale and jolna in london you can follow them on facebook Doug Pooley is here and Chris Stribe, and we're talking about sleep and the fact that many of us just don't get enough of it and maybe get the quality sleep that we aspire to have. A little bit later in the show, some fun with the nighttime snacks that will actually help you sleep. And even more importantly, we'll talk about the correlation between concussion and sleep. Doug, you wanted to talk about uh, the mattresses and the pillows and all that is sleep that we purchase on a regular basis, and we don't always make the wisest choices. Well, it, we, by virtue of the fact that many people just don't know why they're buying something or what they're buying. My suggestion is always, you don't have to spend a fortune on a mattress, but it's important that you understand that there are different mattresses for different sleep postures. 
If you're a side sleeper, then I believe you need an individual pocketed coil, something that's going to accommodate to natural body contour. If you're a back sleeper, it's been my experience that the traditional old spring wall construction can often be the best. Mm. What it does, you don't need tabletop number three, but you need something that's going to provide support, but in doing so as well, give you a level of comfort that you, you need to for the body to really rest effectively. You've had physiotherapy for those who didn't sleep in the right way often. Often. And we often put in, uh, you know, people to go get new mattresses as part of their treatment plans. Uh, you know, I've done home visits before to go look at their mattress. Uh, people, people don't make that connection all the time that, hey, I spend almost a third of my time in this posture or in this position. And, and that's contributing to their problems. I got to share a, a funny story. But when I was early in practice... I was treating a, fa a family, a hubby and wife, and they were farmers outside of St. Thomas. And anyway, they'd been married for an extended period of time. And I remember saying to the gal, I said, well, well, how old is your mattress? And she looked at me and she said, well, she said, Lester and I have been married 40 years and he got it used. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that hilarious? As Chris was saying, I mean, people will sleep on the damnedest things, you know, and expect it to give them the rest value that's necessary to help them to thrive. But that's been a contributing factor, poor posture and poor choice of mattress, for getting chiropractic care. Oh, people end up in our offices. If you want yeah. to save some of your health care costs, buy yourself the appropriate mattress. Now, one of the bugaboos for me is I, I'm a big anti-pillow top guy. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes what a pillow top mattress does is that it costs you more money. But what it does, it takes a good mattress and makes it too soft. So there are some mattresses out there now that start pillow top and don't quite do that. But I've had more patients come in and say, gee, I've spent a thousand bucks in this darn mattress. And I, since I bought it, it's horrible. And usually mm -hmm. the question is, you know, is it a pillow top mattress? As a matter of fact, it is. Yeah, they first came out with the pillow tops that were quite thin. And now, you know, it's, it's almost like you got a half a mattress stuck on top of your uh, mattress. And uh, again... I kind of equate it to shoes. I tell patients, oh, those were comfy shoes for you for the first two weeks because they're brand new and everything was soft and felt good. Same with these thick, thick mattresses. They feel good when you lay down on them in the showroom, but, uh, you know, after a month or two of sleeping like that, it can really, really throw you off. Now, I was always a believer that we shouldn't eat too soon before going to bed, but there are some snacks here from a very reliable source that you kindly brought in here on things that we should have at bedtime. Half a turkey sandwich, a small bowl of whole grain, low sugar cereal, uh, granola with milk or yogurt, or a banana is just fine. My suggestion is don't have all of them at the same time. <laughs> but yes, I mean, for some people, what it does is, and milk especially because of the mm -hmm. casein in milk, which has a natural yep. relaxing capacity. Turkey, same thing. Yep. You know, so there, are, there are, are, are hidden chemical benefits sometimes found within some of these things. Mm -hmm. And going back but, to the people that had that 40-year-old mattress, uh, a 40-year-old regimen for many people is warm milk. Warm milk is, yeah, but as long as you're not lactose intolerant and you're going to knock your partner out of bed as a result of yeah. drinking this stuff, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And really, it's a matter of whatever helps to facilitate you to sleep, that's the best thing for you. And I think it goes back to the creatures of habit. Uh, we are creatures of habit. And so, you know, if you have a routine that routinely makes you fall asleep very well, that's what you want to stick with. Uh, it's, you know... The milk and cookies, my kids are always, they're big milk drinkers. And, and again, it's, it's a great choice for them. It fills them up. 
and away they go. We should maybe get some endorsement in from the Milk Dairy Board. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the cookie component is there's too much sugar. Uh, you know, it just spikes them up. And then next thing you know, yeah, they're they're running up and down the stairs going, okay, I'm not ready for bed yet. So, More on a good night's sleep and its impact on better health. Coming up next with AM980's experts for Peak Mobility Rehabilitation and Pain Center in London. Coming up in two weeks, they have a disc evaluation day from 1230 until 2. That's January the 30th. So put it on your calendar. Take advantage of their invitation, not only for the disc evaluation, but to to see their state-of-the-art facilities. It's quite the place, and you'll be impressed. Doug Pooley and Chris Dry. Much more ahead on AM 980's Experts. News, talk, sports. Now, back to the experts on AM 980. Presented by Peak Mobility Rehabilitation and Pain Center. They're on Southdale Road East at uh, Jolna. We're talking about sleep, talking about how you can get a better night's sleep and being more regular with your sleep and the ramifications of not getting good sleep. Well, you're not alone if that's a challenge that you face right now with 3.3 million Canadians over the age of 15 or about one in every seven of us have problems going to sleep or staying asleep and thus are considered to have insomnia. Adult insomnia is estimated to cost, are you ready for this? $14 billion every year in the United States. The exact financial cost of sleep disorders in children is less clear, but emerging research suggests that pediatric sleep disorders contribute to attention deficit, hyperactivity, mood disturbances, and memory problems. Mm So it's important to talk about this, and it's important not to go, oh, that's just the way I sleep. It's something to be addressed. Absolutely. It's... uh it's just like, you know, when you look at eating habits, you have to look at your sleeping habits. And if you're someone that's suffering from insomnia, you know, you, you don't have to be peg-holed into this, oh, I'm an insomnia. That's the way I am. Uh, you know, there, there are options out there to, to get things regulated. Sometimes it can be literally just a change in diet or a change in your physical routine through the day uh, and what you're, you know, doing in those uh, other 12 or 15 hours that you're not sleeping. But you've experienced many physical changes and sleep deprivation has been a contributor. Oh, and, and especially with youth. I mean, Chris kind of touched on the fact that with our children, because of the dietary changes over the past 50 years, I mean, so much sugar and processed foods. So these kids are all hyped up on junk. And then we expect them to go to bed and have a reasonable night's sleep. They also, these same kids that are all hyped up on junk, so many of them don't exercise mm-hmm. to any great degree. So what you do is you have the makings of a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of issues that are contributing to the fact, because kids naturally sleep. It, it really is, it's, it's perverse actually to think that a child has a sleeping issue. That mm-hmm. should never be the case. And then with the food additives you're talking about, too, we don't know exactly what's in our new tomato at the grocery store, but maybe the uh, lower than 70 cents dollar that uh, we're now pretty well can't afford um, may contribute to more gardens and and more local markets. And, you know, there's always a silver lining in some of those challenges that we have economically. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, if if there's someone out there and they're listening and, and this is a, a, a topic for them, uh, you know, based on what we've spoken about, some of the big keys that they can really focus in are, yeah, maybe looking at what, what their kids eat, how often do they eat, when do they eat, are they eating, you know, uh, an hour before bed, you know, they have, they have that night snack or we call it bed snack, uh, but what is that consist of? 
Uh, and then maybe just looking at that, change that thing, and then see if that helps. It can be fun, but it can still be better for them right. and complement to their night's sleep. Yeah, and it doesn't have to come from a package. <laughs> you don't have to open a package. Let's connect the dots now, because one of the things that you really wanted to talk about, Chris, primarily on the show today is concussion. How does sleep and concussion correlate? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a big predictor uh, or determinant of, of how a person recovers from their concussion. So when you look at a concussion, uh, you know, I, I explained to my patients, it's like shaking up a pop bottle. And, uh, you know, are we going to open that lid right away or are we going to slowly let the air out so we don't have it exploding all over? And so if we can see someone early on in their concussion, that's usually our, our big speak is getting them off of the screens uh, and getting them proper sleep. You'll often hear of people, uh, yeah, I was in a dark room for two weeks or a blue light for two weeks. And again, it's just to help calm down the, the central nervous system so we don't have so much input coming in. But at the same time, they need to sleep. It's not just, oh, I was relaxed for the two weeks I was in my room. They still try to need to get the, the, the eight to 10 hours of sleep if they're a teenager. Um, and then, you know, have naps through the day. I often encourage them, yeah, if you wake up and you feel, yeah, I still feel tired. Okay, well, get up, do do a few things for a couple hours and then, then have a 30-second or 30-minute nap mm-hmm. uh, and do that periodically throughout the day because our body needs that sleep to, to get those um, building cells that work when we're asleep active uh, because if we're not sleeping, those restorative cells don't happen. No, he's absolutely correct. Another place where we both have talked, we see this a lot, is with regards to motor vehicle accidents, where they may not actually be a concussion, but you'll have somebody that's had neurological damage done as a result of the injury, and they'll show or they'll demonstrate very much the same. I mean, Chris is a concussion expert, so he'll speak further on this, but I think that you see very much the same symptom pattern, don't Mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Often when you see a motor vehicle accident, it might not have been diagnosed as a concussion, but they they present with very similar symptoms uh, and have similar symptoms down the road as well. And so again, looking at the very simple uh, discussion of sleep and hydration and nutrition, sleep is one of those things we just, we don't think about it. Uh, We think about what do we do in the day that's disrupted or how can I manage my day to make my day better, not my night better and my sleep better. So you've had a number of people come to you, Chris, who um, may have forgotten that they had some form of head drama, mm-hmm. and then they'll come to you later with the symptoms. Absolutely. And, and you know, it could be years or it could be several that months long. down the road. Oh, yes, absolutely. We'll have patients that come in two years down the road uh, for a shoulder injury, but their bigger issue is they've suffered a brain injury uh, in their initial injury. Uh, and they've just kind of worked uh, along with it. But we correct, they still have the ability to, to heal things and correct things two years down the road, uh, and then they're back to normal life. And, and we didn't even touch the shoulder. We just said, here's the things you're going to work on to help fix your brain. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's difficult for people to make that connection all the time, uh, because if they are brain injured, uh, it's not working 100%. And so you really have to uh, be... Um, creative with how you get those people to uh, buy into the treatment plan. And as you put it, when it's not working at 100%, then there lies other potential hazards. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, when you when you look at depression, uh, the, just the sleep deprivation fact, you know, poor appetite, which again, cascades into your, now you're not a uh, proper nutrition state and, and all those other things that happen. Um, but it is, uh, when we speak about concussion and just expand that to recovery from any type of injury, uh, it really delays. Uh, you know, if we can get across the point that if you don't sleep, you don't recover properly, 
people will get the idea of, yeah, I need to sleep now and get things uh, in order. One of the things that really bothers me, too, is that there are so, way too often people are prescribed medications for sleep disorders mm-hmm. where really there is an underlying pathological reason for the disorder that often goes unnoticed because of the fact that there, there's a belief that the medication is controlling or curing the sleep problem. Invariably, well, I won't say invariably, but in many cases, it does exactly the opposite. What it does is it tends to cover up by by kind of suppressing the nervous system. It's a Band-Aid remedy. Well, and not a bit, but people end up not being able to go off this medication in long term mm-hmm. simply because of the fact that then there's a dependency component even to some of the smaller stuff. It is not necessarily a chemical dependency. There's an intellectual and a physiological dependency that is every bit as strong as any sort of chemical one. Forgive me for not knowing the drugs, but some sports injuries, there's been an oxy, oxy... Coset. Okay. Yep. And that's highly addictive. <clears throat> right. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're into a narcotic class uh, prescription medication. So um, I've always advocated to my sports population, I grew up putting ice on it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with putting ice on it. You don't need an oxycoset when you're 14 because you had an ankle sprain. Talk to your sports audience who are younger and are playing at Oak Ridge Arena and Silverwoods and uh, the, the young hockey players and the importance of a helmet and taking care of themselves now so that they don't have those potential injuries that you deal with yeah. a lot. Yeah, so when you look at concussion, sports injuries, uh, sporting equipment, uh, you know, the, the beer league players are guilty of it. They're still playing in their equipment they had from 20, 30 years ago. The young kids, they're typically... And sleeping on an old mattress. <laughs> yeah. And exercising uh, an and hour Probably in their bed. equipment. I mean, <laughs> some of these guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the younger kids, you know, they're, they're always into the next best thing every year, every couple of years. So they're constantly changing out their equipment. One of the big issues uh, when you look at that is... Uh, how they maintain their equipment, how they store their equipment, uh, what what do they they do every year? Oh, do they make sure the screws loose, the straps tight, how it fits? Uh, my little guy, he plays hockey, and you see the kids out there, and they're like, oh, they just need to have their helmet fitted better. Uh, so those are simple little things that uh, players can do, so that again, if they're looking at a helmet, helmets don't prevent injury. They don't, pre- you know, they don't prevent a concussion. But they help mitigate the the risk of of that uh, concussion occurring. And so just like any sport, uh, hockey, football, um, baseball even, where you've got helmets on, it's just proper how how those things fit. I find it fascinating and somewhat disturbing that young people are presenting problems more so than ever before. Mm. And we talked earlier about sleep and that young people are not sleeping that well. And then the result has been hyperactivity and mood swings and all of that. And, of course, not necessarily using the right equipment. And they could get a head trauma, which results in a brain injury. And so, you know, start now, whatever that now age may be. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things affecting sleep is some of the video games the kids are playing right now. And I'm not saying don't play your video games, but there's been some interesting research, actually, that's been done on the effect of, uh, of some of the tablets mm-hmm. on sleep patterns. And there's a couple that have actually been documented that say that these particular units actually will tend to, to impact, negatively impact your sleep because mm-hmm. of the amount of light. And it has to do with melatonin production and the body's inherent ability to recognize when it should be sleeping and when it shouldn't be sleeping. But we also have that inherent need to know now. So in the middle of the night, we might check our device 
and on comes the light, and there goes our night. Well, yeah, and it's so true. Even getting up and going to the bathroom, I mean, they found that don't turn on the bright light. If you've got, as long as you're not going to whack yourself or fall onto your wife as you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, keep the lights down. The chances of you falling back to sleep are going to be that much greater. Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, young kids presenting with with more issues, you know, sleep is just one component of it. Uh, You know, we've spoken in the past about physical activity and nutrition. Sleep is just, it's another piece of that puzzle. And it's a big piece, um, but it's a piece that people kind of put a a low priority on. You know, if after today people can just look at, if it is their kids that are having multiple issues or injuries, there's a whole bunch of things that can cause that. But, uh, you know, I usually hedge my bets and say, oh, yeah, you know what, that kid probably has a, a really disturbed sleep cycle, especially when they get into that, you know, pre-teen, teen years um, where they, they like to stay up later now. And, okay, well, great. What are they doing, though, before they go to bed? Uh, what is their bedtime routine? Like, is it something that takes them an hour uh, to settle down or, you know, is it, it 10 minutes? Uh, I've got four kids and all of them have a different spectrum. I can get one asleep in less than two minutes and another one takes 40 Um, But, you know, there's a routine to that. And like we've said earlier, we're creatures of habit, so you need to get them into that routine. A couple of helpful relaxation techniques for a better sleep is deep breathing is suggested, uh, progressive muscle relaxation. Mm -hmm. It's Mm. a very interesting thing. I mean, this is age-old stuff, and there's all sorts of stuff. You can go online, you can go on YouTube and find methodologies for progressive muscle relaxation. It's not difficult. It's usually a matter of starting at your toes and contracting and relaxing, but focusing Mm -hmm. on that process. And that's included right here on that point, visualizing a peaceful, restful place, whatever that may be. Meditation. For those who can do it, meditation is an absolutely astounding way of kind of getting that brain into a zone that's compatible with sleep. Because we have a stress epidemic, and I thought, how ironic... This very week, when there is $1.4 billion in the Powerball lottery, (laughs) and the stories around this was, if you win, you better do this. Get a lawyer. Don't give out any money to your friends and relatives. And then all of a sudden, I was thinking, I don't want to win now. It's too stressful. (laughs) <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's, there's like, and again, when it comes to the information that we have at our fingertips, and then you translate that into what the kids get to see on their tablets, you know, instant messaging with their friends, instant information about their school, about their projects, all that stuff. You know, when we grew up, we had to wait till the next day when we went to school to find out what the teacher said. We couldn't just text them or go onto the website, which they do now, and they'll do it at all times of the day. Uh, you know, we used to come home from school and just go do homework, whereas now they network with their friends and they're they're doing this stuff constantly. So they're they're constantly go, 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 even though they may be sedentary physically, they're still neurologically going uh, on their tablets and networking. The best thing you can do for your kid is do not let he or she sleep with their phone. Mm-hmm. And it is, again... Tough sell. It, it's a tough sell, but they sleep with their phone. Yep. So you're right. You're always at the mercy of whatever happens to be coming down the line. So, and that's a tough one, but this is something that really people should learn early. And the only people that can enforce that is the parent. Right. But you know, there's, there's, there's adults that sleep at the phone right beside the, (laughs) my my God, what did we do 40 years ago before (laughs) the advent of cell phones? Yeah. 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 We had a better mattress. (laughs) We didn't sleep in our hockey equipment. (laughs) We had an alarm clock. (laughs) Yeah. And and we waited till the mail came, you know, that was, that was the difference. Whereas, like you said, though, it it is, it's a big distraction. I think that's what I know for sure. When I look at how I had 
my childhood versus my kids. They have so many more distractions. They're still involved in a lot of physical sports. and Which is a good the, thing. Right. They still have that same school routine that I had, but there's so many more distractions out there available, mm. and, and like there is for us. You know, the adults, we, we can bring our tablets to bed and we can watch whatever video we want to watch to, TV show we want to watch to, when. It's just that distraction keeps our brains humming. This is the kind of advice you get in one hour. Think of the kind of advice that you can get in the helpful, uh, healthful advice that you can get by dropping in to Peak Mobility Rehabilitation and Pain Centre. They're on Southdale Road at Jolna and uh, they are helping London live better. They specialize in chiropractic, physiotherapy, acupuncture, massage, hot stone massage right now, concussion, and disc therapy. What's more important? Peak Mobility, specializing in making you feel better, and they're now accepting new patients, and here's the direct number in, 519-850-7321. News, talk, sports. Now, the experts on AM980. With Brian Atoll, thanks for being a part of our show today. Doug Pooley and Chris Stribe, a physiotherapist, uh, on the air with us today. And a reminder that in two weeks, we're going to be live to air from the Lifestyle Home Show. We have five hours of shows. A good many experts are going to be joining us on the radio, and we look forward to that. So that's in two weeks. Be sure and watch for us at the show, and be sure and listen to us uh, here on AM980. Why is it hard to think when we're tired? When we're so tired, yeah. then our thinking capacity would. Yeah. So if you think of, uh, you know, you've basically just depleted the bank. It's, uh, you're running on empty. The gas tank is is drawing. You know, we, our brain uses so much glycogen uh, to think and to work all through the day. And so you often see a lot of these, uh, the boost snacks to keep people awake. You know, the sugar, uh, rock star, throwing a rock star just to get that sugar back in the brain and keep it moving. Um, but yeah, when we've stayed up late, uh, that's what's happening. The The tank's running on empty. And so you're you're drawing from a, a, a smaller pool of resource to try to do your daily functions. Mm. There was a study done uh, in England and it was talking about the different, uh, during the day what happens is the brain is busy building things. It's usually building connections in accordance with different experiences that you have or or new things that come into your life. And at night what it does is kind of house cleans. And he says that the brain, you can, his brain function is like a party. You can have a party where you're entertaining people or you can be cleaning the house. You can't do both at the same time. So once you've, as Chris was saying, once you've kind of depleted the party component of it during the course of the day, then your brain demands. In fact, it was a st- there's been some studies done that are showing that different parts of the brain, when you're in extreme fatigue, actually do shut down. And those brains will, and like people will say, it's kind of like you're, you're half asleep. You know that saying, half asleep? You kind of are half asleep. Mm-hmm. If you've been really exhausted, yep. you will be there and you will technically be awake. But parts of your brain, and they're now finding that those parts will actually shift to different things. So the brain has an inherent intelligence that says, bud, you got to slow down. Is there something to you are what you dream? Have you had a chance to ever explore yeah, that story? No, yeah, it's, okay. my I chat with my kids about dreams because <laughs> they have some funny ones. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I've mm-hmm. I've never really looked into that. I always I always tell my kids, hey, if you're if they're telling me they're having weird dreams, that's great because they're in their REM cycle sleep. Uh, that's I've, a fact. Yes, uh, for sure. And you know, you can dream multiple times in the night. Uh, I know when I'm stressed and busy, I don't get many dreams in my week. Uh, but when I'm on holidays, it's like, oh, look at all the dreams I've had. So I, I know my body's actually starting to relax and get better sleep. 
there is some i mean it's one of the least understood components of yeah. of human psyche is yeah. the is sleep but they they have found that of course often what you dream is a reflection of what happens to be going on in your life at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if it's good things, it's good things. If it's bad things, then sometimes these things come up too. So that much of dreaming, they understand. The rest of it, Freud and Jung have been looking at, they looked at for years. And will continue. And will continue. Yeah. <laughs> in generalities, though, you must be able to de-stress. And I would su suggest that you'll get a better night's sleep by coming to peak mobility and addressing pain, addressing the aches, Addressing whatever may ail you and having that comfort zone, knowing that it's being looked after at, at long last. Well, I think people are now looking for healthcare coaches, not just technicians. And I believe that the people that we have at Peak are, are these type of people that are going to take the time to get into the in-depth questions. For example, as Chris was saying, talking about sleep, talking about diet, talking about different facets of your life that may be contributing to your problem or problems. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, it, it's, again, comes down to holistic healthcare and looking at the whole picture of the person. And, and like I said, it's, it's a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, sleep is a huge component. Either the injury is, you know, being precipitated by poor sleep or that, that sleep is not being regulated because they have an injury. So it's, it's kind of the, the chicken or the egg but if you can mitigate both those things, they can get a better sleep. They can have a better day. Uh, they can be more active, and which gives them a better sleep. And then they can eat healthier. So it just gives them that better well-being overall. And they benefit from that cycle. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, in our society, we like to break things up into little pockets here and there. Whereas if, if you can kind of step back and look at, okay, yeah, what do I do on a, on a physical basis every day? Not just my work. People always look at their work and see it as physical, but also what what's my sleep look like? We we have that that stigma that if you sleep or you're lazy, and uh, you know uh, some of the healthiest people I know they just get good sleep. <laughs> and these are the many important questions that you would ask of a new patient, taking that time before anything really is acted on. Mm -hmm. And these are the important questions, mm -hmm. and you become very very good listeners. Yes, it helps us lead lead them down the path to recovery. All right. Thank you very much for, again, an insightful show uh, on, on sleep, and I think that it's been educational and informative for, for our audience. A reminder, too, at Peak Mobility uh, Rehabilitation Center that they offer up gift certificates. Take advantage of that. Give it to someone you know who could be even more healthful. Here's that number, 519-850-7321, and you'll find Peak Mobility online at peakmobility.ca and in London at Southdale Road at Jalma. Have a great weekend.